Hello there. General McMillan, I was expecting a podcaster of your abilities to be a little older. Anders, you're shorter than I expected. No need to be so uncivilized. I'm Anders, that's Colleen. Join us along with our co-hosts Daniel and Flo for yet another Star Wars podcast because the internet can never have enough nerds talking about Star Wars. This season, we're headed, hopefully briefly, back again to the edges of Tatooine's Dune Sea to explore the new series Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll search our feelings for what we know is true, that changing your first name from Obi-Wan to Ben is the most effective cover story in the history of the galaxy. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. listeners of the well-rounded table to bohemian geek studies where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms i'm lady colleen mcmillan who thinks they are a lovely couple indeed yes please don't behead me indeed yes and i am the viscount anders drew and i do even if batman doesn't and i'm Flo Siegel. i'm not even worried about the wedding but i am always eager to be rescued after a horseback riding incident <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sweep me into your arms, please. Please, <laughs> just gallop right towards me. Ooh, seems... I don't know. Are we sure she didn't suffer brain damage? She did I mean, agree to marry him. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he did a pretty good job. Also, did you see him? Yeah, he looked good. Hello. That's really good. <laughs> wet and yes. He's not the only one who's wet. <laughs> We're starting off strong today, everybody. Here we go. Finales. While we vary in terms of our ranks here at PGS, one thing will always remain constant. We're wet, and there's always more to learn from the Tom. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) This season of Bohemian Geek Studies, we have been taking a detailed dorky dive into that saucy Netflix series, Bridgerton. This week, we are wrapping up our coverage of season two with episodes seven and eight, entitled Harmony and the Viscount Who Loved Me. Both these episodes were directed by Cheryl Dunier and written by Chris Van Dusen. So consider this your spoiler warning, all of Bridgerton, the books, Jane Austen, probably some teen movies, anything in the world is fair game. Uh, And as already evidenced, this is also your adult content warning for some burning rainy passion. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. So break out the punch of lemonade and let's go to the ball. If it's still happening, why hasn't anyone shown up yet? <laughs> Honestly, craziness. Ooh, okay. That was a juicy. <laughs> it was. Let's get into these episodes. So everyone is dealing with the aftermath of the quote unquote wedding because it didn't really happen. Uh, Lady Whistledown and the Ton are gossiping. Antony is unsure about what to do next. Kate is being ignored by Edwina. So much tension there. It's awkward. And Violet- It looks great in tubs though. Oh yeah. Oh, a million. <laughs> Everybody looks good in tubs. This is like a big advertisement for taking baths. It's great. Baths are it. great. I'm too tall for my bathtub. Well, get a bigger one. I don't know what to tell you. Like, are bring your knees up to your, your chest. And yeah, just curl up in your fetal toe. position. Yeah, but then it's not deep enough. Okay, <laughs> then, you, well, then you're breaking the surface. Hot tub. Get in a hot tub. Anyways, for everybody involved, Anders is very tall. Ladies, drop into his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
Violet is determined to salvage the family's reputation by forcing the family to go on a promenade all together, one big happy family. That was so awkward. It was so <laughs> unbelievably awkward. But before leaving, Eloise tries to sneak off, but the queen's carriage pulls up. The queen is convinced that Eloise is Lady Whistledown. She's wrong. And gives her an ultimatum. She can either use her identity to be an ally or the queen will reveal her secret, which on top of the current family scandal will be something they may not recover from. And she has three days to decide. That was a really pretty, good amount of time. Three days, is a, three days is long, but it's like not too long. It's pretty yeah, much like the long. absolute perfect time for an ultimatum. Totally. Mm-hmm. So whilst out on this promenade, most families are just straight up avoiding the Bridgertons. There seems like they're not really buying the story that has been put out there that the wedding cancellation was a mutual decision between Antony and Edwina for personal reasons. Uh, the Featheringtons do greet them and Portia is expressing sympathy. You know, she didn't think her family would be able to kind of come back, bounce back from their scandals that they've had in the past, but she's hopeful that they will get through this. Albeit in her kind of like over the top, very condescending, like I am so glad that I'm on top and you're not way. But I do, I, I have a feeling she had some sincerity in there. She was, she was, she was pulling for them. <laughs> Maybe, um, I think you're being very generous. I think so too. <laughs> We will praise her later. Yeah, I mean, she's a total boss, so. More families continue to ignore the Bridgertons, and they're even going as far as to ignore Lady Danbury, who is, this is probably something she's never had to deal with in her life. (laughs) So everyone goes back home, and the matriarchs are strategizing. They can't really change the story that they've been telling, but they can try and shift everyone's views of them. Violet and Lady Danbury decide the best idea is to throw a ball just to show that they're not bothered by the whole thing. And God, if I had the money to throw a giant ball, if I'm just kind of in a bad mood, I don't know if I would ever be in a bad mood. I mean, when in doubt, just throw a ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. I think that's the energy that we all need in the year 2022. Mm-hmm. This is all it. of row that ball. Yeah, all of the young folks think that this is a pretty terrible idea and don't understand what the fuck is going on. But Edwina comes around and decides it must be a fantastic idea when she sees how Kate and Antony are just not enthused about this at all. And she has one of the one of the best moments of the season when they're kind of like glancing at each other, and Edwina's just like. Was I really this fucking blind? That was <laughs> like, was this I was, was this like, always this obvious? And we were girl. like, yeah, yeah, you were that blind. Oh, like mm. <laughs> out in the hall, Violet questions Anthony about what he's going to do next because he's still the viscount. He still has these responsibilities that he's been touting that he must mm-hmm. do go with. Uh, but he seems pretty ready to just kind of wallow in his own failure and his own self pity and just kind of rely on his brother. To, to carry forward with the Bridgerton name, which I'm sure they're idea. very excited to do. Terrible plan. Have you seen them? <laughs> hey, do not badmouth Gregory like that. I, I was going to say, if we're waiting for Gregory to we're grow waiting up, for this Gregory. is going to be fine. <laughs> like, Colin and Benedict are just off doing their own shit. They're not concerned they're with the Bridgerton boys. name. They are frat boys of a different mm. source. We've got the playboy art hippie and we've got the travel nerd who can't stop talking about art history. 
All right. Meanwhile, Eloise is in full panic mode, as she should be. She admits that Penelope was right about her meetings with Theo and doesn't know what to do. Penelope finds out about the meeting with the queen and tries to console her friend while she gets to planning and plotting. She goes to Madame Delacroix, who is just fantastic. I love her so much. She's trying to figure out a strategy. She's concerned, though, that the queen is directly involved now, and it could really interview with her own plans for the future. I loved all of her sketches, too. I'm like, you get it, girl. Get oh, yeah. it. She suggests, though, that if Lady Whistledown publishes something terrible at Eloise, it would divert the queen's attention. Like, yeah, because, of course, Eloise wouldn't write shit about herself. Penelope, though, she's like, I could never do that to my friend. Absolutely not. Never. And we will never hear about this again. Chekhov's <laughs> publication will never come back again. Ever. Not ever. <laughs> oh, and then we have Antony and Benedict. He's trying to go, like, get Benedict to live up to his this was hilarious. responsibilities. Are you kidding me? You go to Benedict first. Come on. Come on. Yeah, at least go to college first. Which, you know, Anthony's about five minutes ago. So he's like, yeah, just like, yeah. remember, you're the second, so you're going to have to step up. But Benedict's like, nah, I'm having fun. I don't want to step up. Not, not my plan. He tries to get Antony to change his perspective on the whole thing, to which Antony wonders if he's on drugs again. <laughs> it was a very nice little speech, I got to say. He probably was on drugs, but it was a very nice little speech. A fair question. Good talking. I also think just like, it's... I feel like Penelope should have been talking about herself the whole time and just like trashing herself. Like, I don't know. It's just so weird. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because everyone's already trashing her, kind of. They do it more or less to her face. That's true. <laughs> That's true. All right. At an art gallery, which is where all the good things happen in Bridgerton, because in season one, that's where we saw like the intense sexual tension between the Duke and Daphne, the where they almost touched hands or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, so we're back at an art gallery. The Sharmas and the Bridgertons are attempting to show a united front. It's very awkward. Antony apologizes to Mary, who admits part of the blame is on her for allowing Kate to take on so much when her husband died. Um, and, you know, Antony knows a little bit about that because obviously he took on a lot when his father died. Okay. Lord Hood, who had previously ignored the families, greets her when she says hello, a sign that his ruse is, this ruse is working. Kate tries again to get Edwina to forgive her, but Edwina, for her part, is so jaded by this whole experience that she seems ready to give up on the concept of love, which is big for her, mm -hmm. and a happy ending altogether. Mm -hmm. Antony and Kate get a moment to speak, but she's still trying to deny that anything happened between them and that nothing could come of it anyway. Whatever. Guys, and then we're still in such fucking denial. Honestly, I cannot oh, believe this was episode seven and this was still happening. I was just like, let's move it along. <laughs> so then Violet and Lady Danbury, they're chatting with the ladies of the ton and they reveal their plans for the ball, which, you know, is exciting. Who doesn't love mm -hmm. the ball? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jack visits Will at the Gentleman's Club and reveals he knows that Will owed the former Lord Featherington a significant debt. And he's pretty much planning on cashing in by using the Gentleman's Club as his little base of operation. Mm -hmm. Eloise manages to get away to see Theo, who is just really pissed that she turned up out of nowhere. He's like, are you fucking crazy? This is the last place you should be. Mm -hmm. um, 
she has the protection of her family name. Like even if it's kind of in tad, even if it's kind of shaky right now on in tatters, it's still got a lot of weight to it. He doesn't have that. He was nearly fired yeah. over this over this situation with the queen, mm-hmm. and nothing's even public about it yet. <laughs> um, he tells her she's never had to endure hardship in her entire life, which yes and no. I'd like, say like at least ninety percent fair. Yeah, mostly fair for yeah. someone in, for for someone in his position. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she and he tells her, "You just need to go. You need to leave," which she does. Over at the Featherington, Featheringtons, Penelope's really struggling to write. She's she's got writer's block. She has no idea what to do, and she sees Colin is speaking to Jack. He's very interested in investing in the mines but he wants to keep it on the DL for right now. He's like, he doesn't want his brothers to kind of get involved and interfere. Mm-hmm. He wants to do this on his own. And after he leaves, Portia and Jack rehash out that the Bridgertons are currently off limits, even with their kind of teetering reputation, it's way too risky to scam such a prominent family. And Jack's like, yeah, I'm trying to talk him out of it, but he's mm-hmm. pretty damn adamant. Mm-hmm. Eloise decides she's just going to confess to the queen and hopefully it'll drive the queen to support her family and they can get past this scandal. Penelope's like, but you're not Lady Whistledown. And she's like, well, she's gone quiet right now. Like maybe it'll just kind of work out. Like, no, you try to steal someone's like nom de plume, you are going to get caught. Yeah. At some point it was almost like Eloise was like, maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I just don't know it. <laughs> I am Lady Whistledown. Penn's like, no, girl. No, you are not. But she thanks Penelope for being a loyal and true friend who would never, ever lie to her about anything and never do anything to harm her. Never. (laughs) Never. No, everything's fine (laughs) with their relationship. (laughs) Okay, so everything is ready for the ball, except there are no guests. Mm, not great things are looking a little grim but Antony insists on some music he calls Hyacinth down to dance which is really cute and then Gregory's like I'm a dance too this was the best part this was a great it's this was an so absolutely great good. scene I love this scene felt so much like the Bridgertons from the book where like they're all very close and very like happy and lovey yeah. and together and it was just like this moment between Antony and Hyacinth was the loveliest precious. I loved it so precious because they have a connection too Mm-hmm. through the death of their dad and trying to make Hyacinth feel like part of the family should be very important to them and I think she does feel it which is good she doesn't seem like she's a neglected in any way but she's just like I get to dance and she booked it so fast down the stairs it's so cute Gregory too he was so happy Gregory was into it they're really wanting to get like out on the scene yeah so everyone is in a good mood now they're all like dancing together it's so sweet they're Even laughing the are like getting in on it being like okay this is fun until a new lady whistledown is delivered mm. we now know why no one showed up to the ball lady whistledown has written about miss eloise bridgerton being seen unchaperoned my god with political radicals men also <laughs> yes she's hobnobbing with men even the queen is shocked by this news Portia reads the pamphlet and gives jack the go-ahead to scam colin which not 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 great and then penelope is 
burning her quill in private. Like, girl, we know you're not going to give now, up. Question, question about this new gossip. Which is worse, that she was unchaperoned or that she was with political radicals? Unchaperoned, probably. Oh, I was going to go with political radicals. <laughs> I mean, she's unchaperoned with men is bad. Like, it's just bad. And depending on what kind of radicals they are, like, are they women's vote radicals? Because, yeah, a lot of those women were beaten to shit. Mm. So, yeah, mm, it's hard to say. It's all bad. Yeah. If they're, like, anti-France or anti-Queen, that would be really bad. I think they were mostly just, like, super feminist or, like, you know. Yeah, they were mostly women, women's Mm -hmm. right to vote. Yeah. Yes. So that's like, oh my God, she wants to vote heavens. What my God, husband. a woman wanting to vote and unchaperoned, my God. So then we go back to the Sharbas. Edwina scorns Kate yet again. So Kate's like, I need to walk y'all. And she heads out into the garden where of course she won't meet anyone, especially someone handsome and sultry. She and Antony meet again at the gazebo. God, a gazebo is so romantic. There's He's really confused. A gazebo. Yes. Always. And it's very always well outfitted. Lit, beautiful. It's well lit. It's very well furnished. Yeah. Plenty no of spider webs. To make, yeah, no plenty spider. of things to make a bed out of. Oh, a million yes. percent. Especially in England where it rains most of the time. Like you guys get your pillows inside for real. <laughs> Anthony is really confused though. He's like, my family can't stand me. Our reputation is in the shithole. But all he can think about is Kate. Like, Kate, 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 Kate. That's all I got. Kate blames him for turning her whole world upside down as well. And they've both done everything in the name of their families. They're like, oh, connections, yay. But Anthony wants them to do something for themselves. They get closer and closer until the tension finally breaks and they finally phone. It's about fucking time. (laughs) Jesus Christ, it is so fucking time. Finally hit that train to Bone Town, and they looked like they were having a very good time. They were it, having it was good. Time. It was. And the the lead up up to it, where she bas- where she basically tells him to get over here by like he's like go inside, and she's just like, what did I tell you about giving me orders? So good. <laughs> like he'd have been like, how about you come inside? <laughs> pretty sure he did. Oh, a million. You think he would know? Well, I don't know. He's been with a lot of girls. Maybe he like has some idea about like pulling out or something yeah he probably knows how to pull out the duke sure did oh yeah so true i forgot about that Mm -hmm. okay so the next day post boning post coitus (laughs) anthony wakes up he's naked and alone he gets the engagement ring he heads off to lady danbury's kate's not in so okay so anthony deduces she's out riding He goes after her, but he sees her horse get startled and she is thrown to the ground. I was very worried at this point. I was very worried at this point. Okay, well, so here's the thing. We were all worried. It was a horrible thing to see. Mm -hmm. But then you remember it's Bridgerton. (laughs) I do, but I swear to God, I I don't know why. I've seen like several things recently where people like get, where people like fall and like hit their head on a rock or you fall in just the right way. Seems like everyone's breaking their freaking necks lately yeah. in a scene like this, and everybody's ending up dead. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, whether it's a rock or a coffee table or what. But this is not Game of Thrones, and this is no Ned Stark. So she's not dead. The finale picks up. 
with Anthony <laughs> carrying Kate back to Lady Danbury's, she's unconscious, she's bleeding, everyone is anxious. Anthony is pissed, both at himself <laughs> over the situation and the surgeon isn't working fast enough. Like, this is hot. I love a man like this. He's <laughs> just like, save her. <laughs> God, anyway. Do whatever it takes. I'm super into that. Elsewhere, it seems like Lady Whistledown has stopped writing. It's been a week since the news about Eloise broke, and no one's heard from the author since. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Well, Lady Featherington is just in very high spirits about everything. Um, she's very delighted. Jack is getting closer and closer to signing this deal with Colin, and all of their fortunes have turned around so much. So... Again, in every situation, what do you do? Situation's bad, situation's great. What are we going to do? We are going to throw a ball with the best of everything. We're going to celebrate our fortunes and we're going to call it the Featherington Ball. Wild shit. <laughs> I mean, so she funny. has a way with words. Penelope's okay. like, wow. <laughs> so original. You spend all night on that, Ma? <laughs> She will, of course, she'll invite the Bridgertons and the Sharmas, despite the fact that they probably won't come, and she still forbids Penelope from seeing Eloise. The Bridgertons are, meanwhile, they're sitting around, they're all in a really bad mood. Violet is sending flowers to the Sharmas, and she's a little encouraged that they got the invite to the Featheringtons, like, okay, we're not, like, such outcasts yet, um, but most people around town are still ignoring her. Eloise is just really sad she can't go for a walk with Penelope because she's still so toxic. Anthony bursts in and he's just like throwing insults at everybody. He's mad. Colin's taking out such a huge amount of money without telling him. Uh, and no one mentions that they've lost so many staff members in the last few weeks. Mm. His siblings, though, are just not here for his insults, his anger and his bullshit. And they're just like, dude, get the fuck out. Like, what, what the hell are you even doing? Yeah, they're like, no. No, we're not dealing with this. We're done. We're done. In the uh, in kind of everything, he reveals that he hasn't been to see Kate yet, which absolutely shocks and really worries Violet. She's like, "What? What the hell are you talking about? You haven't been to see her yet." Like, just go and get your like manly pose over with, where you're like agonizing over her bedside. Like, come on, Anthony, come on. What an idiot! Yes, please. That's all I want. Here's another good guy. Theo sends Eloise a book and a note. She gets away to go see him and he reveals that he does care about her, but he pushed her away to try and protect her from Lady Whistledown and the Queen. Like, yeah, good job. Dude. Yeah, pushing people away to protect them. That always works. That has worked every time since the history of storytelling. <laughs> every single time. But he did try. I mean, he was trying to be a good person. Since that didn't work, though, he thinks they can work together to figure out Lady Whistledown's true identity sure kids <laughs> like this is like hardy boys level shit like no look he's like, got a murder board <laughs> got like all the threads connecting to everything he's like it all comes back to lady whistledown like we know guy <laughs> come on theo jesus uh, lady danbury and the queen i love these two together they're so great reflecting on the season they wonder if there will be anything else of note to report on despite lady whistledown's current silence it's like Hmm, foreshadowing, maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. I, know, I, like needs- Lady, I like Lady Danbury's response, too, where she's just like, or maybe we should find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, can we calm down about this 
freaking lady whistle down already she's an annoying bitch and we just we just need to like get on another scandal sheet or something somebody write something else <laughs> go read those pamphlets about ladies rights i Come was gonna on. say eloise has some reading material that she can share mm-hmm. a lovely book that she got from view so this scene god this scene pissed me off really bad <laughs> and i have a question for you guys about it too Colin meets Jack at Will's club to hash out their agreement where Will warns him off of making any deals with Jack, but Colin defends the Featherington's honor. He says later that he did this to like, like he already had a bad feeling. Do you guys think he did? I was wondering about this too. I don't think so. I think he... Trying to save face a little bit. Well, a little bit of safe face and he may have had like he may have had like a slightly off-putting feeling, but if Will hadn't done this, there's no way he would have gone through with what he does do. Right. Like this is absolutely the thing that like solidifies and pushes him to move forward with his, to formulate and move forward with his plan. Right. Colin is the ultimate like golden retriever gamer boy. <laughs> um, He's got no idea what's going on ever. So there's no way he had any, he didn't know Marina was pregnant. Yeah. He doesn't know shit. Right. <laughs> no. He only knows because Will just said something and then something threatens Penelope and he's like, fuck no, back up, dude. Mm-hmm. But then he has to think about it later and be like, oh shit. What if Will's telling the truth though? That could be really important. So Jack reports back to Portia that Colin is in. They have snagged Bridgerton. She wonders what Jack's escape plan is. After all, the scheme will come out sooner or later. He thinks they could go back to America and live very well there together. He goes in for a kiss, gross, and tells her to think it over. No, Portia, stop. Oh, she You're definitely so much thinks about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a hot younger dude. Like, raining. Please, He's icky. All right, so Edwina is sitting by Kate's side and Kate finally wakes up very exciting they fill Kate in on the accident including that Anthony has yet to come see her so Violet tells because he's not there tells Anthony that Kate's awake she also tells him that she's so sorry for how things went after Edmund died and that he obviously truly loves Kate so he needs to fight for her which again all I want take note Eloise confronts Madame de la Croix about her dealings with Whistledown, but they're interrupted by the Featheringtons because they're everywhere and they're always up, up to everything. Eloise manages to talk to Penelope about what Theo told her. Penelope tries to warn her off going back down this road that her reputation won't survive it again. She wants Eloise to move forward and then the two of them can go back to the way things were, but hey, you can never go back, everybody. Forward. Yeah. Onward. Forward. <laughs> so Benedict's in the middle of a painting when his friend comes in and is reveals like, oh, Benedict, you've actually turned out to be like a really cool guy, a really great talent. Like we weren't really sure because of how you got in. And Benedict's like, what are you talking about? And it turns out Anthony made a huge donation to the school. Oh, it turns out the new wing is called the Bridgerton wing. So weird. Yes. <laughs> Thus securing Benedict's place. Because, of course, that's how Benedict got in. Yeah. And Which sucks, because he is talented. He's very talented. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. 
Um, Anthony, finally, he goes to see Kate. He's in the middle of apologizing about everything and proposing to her when she's just like, dude, no, stop. For starters, I just woke up from a, from like a week and a half long coma. Like, can you just chill? Mm-hmm. But also, she's still going back to India. She has not changed her plans, and she's not going to let him propose to her out of some weird sense of obligation because they boned. Yeah. But, uh, fair. why not? <laughs> I know. I'm like, hey. Let's all just think about it for a minute. <laughs> this is the point in the episode where I'm just like, are we serious? We're, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. We're doing this again where we're, like, denying the truth. Yep. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Danbury has agreed to sponsor Mary and Edwina for the next season. So they'll be fine. They can come back and she could just, she can just go. And so can Anthony. Anthony can just get the fuck out. Theo and Eloise are investigating and they almost have a nice little romantic moment. It seems like there's going to actually be some sparks for Eloise, but she is like horrified at what's about to happen pulls back and realizes also she doesn't want Theo to pay for any of her mistakes. Like she knows that this, even if this might be what she wants, this is definitely not going to end well if she goes down this particular path. So she tells him as much and they decide that they're going to part as friends. At least she's being honest about it up front. Mm Kate and Edwina ultimately reconcile, admitting that they need to kind of get to know each other again and stop all of this kind of role-playing, stop being what they think everybody else need, wants them to be, what, right. what each other thinks that they should be, and just actually be themselves. Mm-hmm. Easier These said than sisters. done. It is. Even with your siblings, with your very close family members and friends, it's really hard to be yourself. And I think they're doing a really good job of like mm-hmm. getting it out in the open talking about it kate's finally talking to edwina like she's an equal instead of like the baby sister which is good they both need this and edwina needed to be able to be honest with kate Mm -hmm. about everything like i i just love edwina i think she's adorable and i want the best for her which hopefully she will get next season Speaking of nice moments, Benedict and Eloise, this is one of my favorite parts. I love their friendship, their relationship as brother and sister. He tells her about Antony buying his place at the school. And she admits she doesn't want to go to this ball because she feels like an imposter. And he's like, well, we're two imposters. So let's go together. I'll escort you. Like, (laughs) it's just like when the the older brother says he's going to go to the prom with his sister in the movies. But then like... The boyfriend shows up at the prom and the brother can be like oh i don't really like you but at least you're here <laughs> yeah this was super sweet it was super it actually reminded me a little bit we talk about uh we've talked about dairy girls in the past um one of the girls she like brings her grandpa to prom and everyone's like starting to make fun of her but she's like well all you people suck and he's fun so we're gonna go dance now bye i love that <laughs> i love it so girls. cute <laughs> fantastic it's i so love good. it this part also i really love this part it did not go the way i expected to and i'm very glad it did not i was picturing anthony going like full crazy dad mode on the poor latin teacher so greg probably still did let's be real he yeah he probably <laughs> poor little gregory though he's such a good little bean he goes to see anthony later that night he's upset that his latin teacher makes him feel stupid 
It's like, oh, my baby. Don't hurt Gregory. He's just a sweet little bean. Antony admits that Gregory's not dumb. His teacher is just terrified that Antony will do something bad to him if Gregory doesn't do well, which fair. If I were that tutor, I would also be very frustrated. <laughs> but maybe, you know, Gregory's just not a languages guy. So Antony admits how much pressure he puts on himself and all of his siblings. Like, come on, dude, thankfully, we finally got here. We're at the last episode. He tells his younger brother about some happy memories with their father, which is so, so cute and sweet, and that they just don't talk about him enough. And then Violet hears and is like, uh, <laughs> it's just so good. I wish they had more moments, like Flo is always saying, like the sibling moments. They are always really Bridgerton nice. Sibling moments. is really good together. And where is Francesca? Where's Francesca? Once again, Francesca is not here. <laughs> I hope next season with her recasting means she'll be able to get to do more. Justice for Francesca. <sighs> next, we have Mary and Kate. Another tender moment, just so sweet. Oh, they're talking about their lives. Kate's trying to pack. And she's like, Ma, I need to pack. Like, come on. She's going to leave and not go to the ball. Mary's like, mm-mm. I don't think so. She's like, I don't want you to run just because this is hard. But Kate blames herself for the whole situation, which like part of it is fair. But Mary's like, no, this is partially on me too. I kind of checked out when your dad mm -hmm. died. And then Kate had to shoulder so much responsibility, which is like, yes, here's more Kate and Anthony parallels with their moms kind of letting them take over a little bit, which the moms probably needed, but the poor kids needed more support too absolutely kate, this too was just like oh my god i think i actually cried this time kate thinks she owes mary since mary basically took her in and treated her as her own daughter but mary reaffirms that from this the moment she married kate's father was like i'm your mom like i am your mother you are my daughter nothing about that is going to change it's like oh my god Ugh, so cute so lovely and then kate tells mary that anthony was about to propose to her but she couldn't let him go through with it just out of obligation. She actually wants love too. Which I can kind like, of understand. No. But then she, but well, no, I can understand being like, no, you're not going to do this to me out of, in like a single moment of desperation mm. or whatever. But then she threw in at the end, like he doesn't love me. Yeah. And it's right. like bullshit. It's like Mary's like. Bullshit. <laughs> I saw him like bring you in here, like carried bridal style to the bed and then yeah, he flipped out on the it. doctor <laughs> like mm -hmm. also remember when you boned in a gazebo yeah remember that <laughs> part oh so frustrated okay but no matter what the featherington ball aptly named is on when the bridgertons enter everyone stares um eloise tries to leave but violet stops her um kind of like a really good parallel to her getting introduced to the queen at the beginning where she mm -hmm. like actually gets to run here she doesn't get to run and it's not because they can't afford the scandal but she can't let Eloise be untrue to herself by suddenly caring what other people think and I think that was really cool yes that was great that was exactly what Eloise needed it's totally. what Violet has needed to say for like five years probably yeah right. <laughs> totally be yourself it doesn't matter Eloise then finds Penelope and thanks her friend for constantly looking out for her. Penelope is glad she's there and she launches into some juicy gossip that she just overheard from the footman, which who doesn't love a footman? Colin <laughs> is dancing with Cressida and he notes that her necklace clasp is broken. He offers to mend it for her, which is kind of weird. Like, 
Since well, also, let's be real. It wasn't broken. He like snapped it off. Yeah, that was that was part. <laughs> it was like, of the plan. oh, it's broken. Once oh, he no. finally was like, it's my plan. I'm like, okay, if that finally makes sense. Yeah, I'm like, Colin, you wouldn't notice that. Like, you're a dude. <laughs> yeah, golden retriever. Yeah. In the other room, Who's he tells wearing black ones. <laughs> yeah. In the other room, he tells Penelope that Jack is a con man. His minds are empty. Then Portia and Jack enter, which is pretty awkward. <laughs> Colin confronts the man for taking advantage of a widow and her daughters, which was- All right, Flo, I have to know, does this okay. officially make Colin as hot as Antony when he defends the Sharmers against the Shepfields? Because you said there's like nothing hotter than when a man steps up. Okay, there is nothing hotter. <laughs> I stand by that. Now, I will say this is a slightly lower caliber than that dinner scene. I feel like the dinner scene- just had a little extra oomph. It had a little, a little, little extra, like a little extra venom, a little extra anger, maybe mm-hmm. even like a little bit of extra like class from Anthony. Colin just like doesn't carry himself the same way, but do I appreciate this move? A million percent. Like, a million percent. Colin seemed like he, Anthony was like legit pissed. He was pissed. And you could, you could feel like the anger coming off of it. Yeah. And Colin... He was, he was definitely mad. Like he cares about the Featheringtons. He cares what happens to this family, what happens to Penelope. But he also had this kind of sense of like self-importance, like white yeah. knight savior when he's like, how dare you? They oh, don't no. have a man to defend them. Not a white yeah. knight again. Yeah. Like and that is found- Colin, right? We saw that with yeah. Marina too. He just like, yeah. he he wants to sweep in and come to the rescue. He feels like, that's his shtick whereas Anthony is like fuck you fuck all of you <laughs> he's just mad the but they're both great. very hot <laughs> so Colin says he won't say anything now to protect the Featheringtons but Jack has to return all the money and leave town immediately Jack and Portia conference together I'm sure they wanted to do more than just conference they conference together with Jack saying they'll have to leave the next day Portia wants to know what will happen to her daughters and Jack says they'll send for them later on, which is craziness. Yeah. And then out on the dance floor, in a nod to our next season, Penelope and Colin dance. And it's really cute. So cute. They're adorable together. They so really cute. are. When they just are like themselves together. It's so sweet. Yeah. Very like, cute. He did want to help Penn because it's like, you're almost there, Colin. You're almost there. You're so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kate and Anthony, they officially, they meet again. They've been trying to avoid each other all night, but can't, can't do it. And Edwina tells her sister, no, we're, we're over this. Like we're done with this whole pretending thing. Be true to yourself. And so Kate and Anthony dance. And at first everyone starts whispering. Everyone else like leaves the dance floor. Until the queen reveals that she's the one who willed Antony and Edwina's marriage to not go forward. She changed her mind. And Edwina makes this lovely little remark that she thinks they actually do look really cute together. And the queen agrees and makes sure everyone else agrees as well. Yes, amazing. <laughs> That's great. Fantastic. I love those moments when like they do, the, when like the royals like, so, so often they want to like pretend to be kind of like normal people and with the crowd, but then they absolutely just flex their power and they know they have it. Yeah. <laughs> like laugh. 
Why aren't you laughing? Yes. <laughs> other other people finally go back on the dance floor when the queen tells Edwina that her nephew, a prince, is available if the girl is interested. And again, I haven't read the books. Does Edwina get a prince, Flo? Honestly, Edwina barely gets any pages in the book. So, but does she get a prince? I don't think so. She gets married, right? But they never really talk. I think so. she gets like a like a random like bookkeeper or some like some like merchant man. Oh. Yeah, All I think right. she falls in love with like some guy who's not aristocracy per se. Mm-hmm. But I'd have to mm-hmm. reread the Viscount who loved me. Okay. Well. Penelope, she's like still kind of in a tizzy because of her little dance with Colin. She goes into her bedroom, which I'm wondering why she's up there to begin with. Like there's a ball happening downstairs. Why are you going? I'm back sorry. To your You're room? confused as to why she's going up to her room <laughs> after having danced with a very cute boy. Um, I, would have thought she would, I, would, I would think she would wait until the ball is over. No, sometimes you just got to take care of it right then and okay. there. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, she can't take care of it because Eloise has torn her room apart <laughs> and pulled up all of her loose floorboards and found all of her lady whistle-down materials and her money. And probably her dildos. Probably her dildos. On the hunt yep. for. Mm-hmm. It was Penelope's gossip downstairs that sounded so familiar when she went into this little stream. It sounded almost the secrets out Eloise knows that she's lady that Penelope is lady Whistledown, and Eloise is pissed <laughs> and betrayed that Penelope wrote those absolutely horrible things about her Penelope try at first she's like trying to defend herself saying like it's this was the only way to get you out of this situation with the queen but Eloise just shoots back that she betrayed her in the absolute worst way possible that she lied to her and she never wants to speak to her again. Penelope at this point gets defensive, stands her ground and is like, look, at least I did something with my life, except unlike you who does nothing but talk. Which harsh little, but true. Little little fair. Yeah. A little fair, but kind of harsh and maybe not the point you want to make right now. No. Yeah. They're both just so mad though. And blood's yeah. high. And she thought she had a good moment going on, and all this happens and and thus Eloise storms out. Ooh, and she really stormed out like very mm-hmm. well. This, we're back at the ball. Lady Featherington directs guests outside for a surprise. If we don't know what the surprise is, we haven't been watching all season. <laughs> Jack says that they'll give the ton a memorable farewell, but she's like, no, mm-mm. I'm giving you a memorable farewell. She's not going anywhere. She's arranged for Jack's things to be packed and for him to have enough money to get the fuck out of their lives. Box. She's got documents showing that she invested her own money in the scheme that she thought of. She's just like dotting eyes and crossing T's everywhere. This is she, like this is like Ocean's Eleven level yeah. reveal on yes. her part. <laughs> Amazing! I loved every single part of this, especially that she has a forged document. Oh my God, that passes Lord Featherington's title on to the firstborn son of one of her daughters. So there this won't be any coming more through. shit. Yeah, like she's like, I'm done. And I have a really good forger. <laughs> and we have no recording devices. So this whole spiel is not being recorded right now. So, so fantastic. I really hope that Penn is the one that has this on first. 
Jack is like, a woman? A woman? Dad, <laughs> do this to me. But she's, he's like, why, why are you doing this? We should be going to America together to bone. And she says, no. She's like, you know, I've got daughters, three of them, and they're my team, which is so great. When he said that they were just going to leave them behind, that was the last straw. She's like, I'm yeah. not, not leaving my daughters. Then we cut to Penelope. She's like kind of come to her senses a little bit and she's looking for Eloise. And she overhears Colin taking five million steps backward after his very good leap forward, talking to his friends. And they're like, oh, you looked interesting dancing with Penelope Featherington. Are you courting her? And he dismisses the idea as impossible. Yeah, I'm just like next Ant- season, my dude. I was gonna say, like Anthony, freaking talking to his buddies. Didn't we learn anything from? <laughs> I want to give Colin a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that there's like a, the rest of that sentence or something like that. Like in his mind, what you he's think he's like, saying, like impossible because she's too good for me. I yeah, think he probably no, Colin, would, yeah, Colin, would, would, Colin would be the type to say that. You are a Colin like, apologist. Yeah, I don't think he's absolutely that. not. The kid's a tool. But he might have said cool. like we're friends or something like that. Yeah, He'd be like I can't date my friend. She's like my sister or something. You like know, that. he said something rude to his friends about her looks. Get out. He was rude. He might have. He, he might probably have, did. Which is like not no. No, what Colin? Bad, just bad. <laughs> And then we have Benedict stomping in there, telling Anthony he knows about the donation and he's going to leave the academy and take his ball with him, despite knowing Anthony only wanted to help. Like, really, Anthony was just trying to help here. He encourages Benedict to keep painting, though, if that's what he wants to do. Like, that was nice. take charge of your life. And Benedict's like, who you? Yeah. Who, who dat? Are you an imposter? <laughs> Another imposter at this party. All right, you guys ready? Kate and Anthony meet in the garden. He can Sadly, there's not a gazebo in sight. No gazebos, <laughs> but they've already christened one, so it's fine. He confesses that he truly loves her, and she reciprocates. The two kiss as fireworks go off, both in the show and in my heart. Uh, so then we get a montage of most of the main characters either enjoying the fireworks, like Portia with Prudence and Philippa, or else being alone in despair like Penelope, who decides to pick up her quill again, obviously. And Eloise also, you know, being sad. Colin brings his friends to Will's club to thank him for the warning on Lord Featherington. He's like, hey, look, all my friends, let's get lit. So then- Another good job, Colin. Another good job, Colin. Good job, Colin. (laughs) But not as good as this next part, because the next (laughs) part, (laughs) we cut to Kate and Anthony. They are unnaked naked together. Much naked. <laughs> and they have to get up because everyone's waiting. Spoiler, Anthony already up. And <laughs> it's, it was up for it. Oh yeah, oh, a million percent. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, because team, it's time for the yearly palm oil game again. Kate claims the black mallet while Anthony is stuck with pink. It's becoming a tradition at this point. And Daphne wonders if their bickering is them cutting out, but Kate will never concede to defeat to him. So mm-hmm. the game is on. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. I hope that we get to see their kids in the next season because they end up having a ton of kids. 
And Not surprising considering what was happening there. Well, yeah. they've already gotten started. Uh, but yeah, so, so cute. So loved it. And then of course, like it ended so well, we were so excited. Yeah. And then we're like, can't believe it's over. But here it is, that's it. All right, so now it's time for us to move into our major characters and relationships from these episodes. And I'm going to start us off with our guy, Anthony. Now, Anthony has a really similar scene with Violet in these episodes that Eloise does earlier in the season. Anthony's getting a lot of parallels to a lot of different characters um, in his relationships where he tells her, like, he knows he, he messed this up. And he knows, again, that he's like a disappointment, just like Eloise was, which... Each time one of her kids says this, it is like a knife in Violet's heart because she does absolutely love them, but she also, she doesn't really know how to be that type of mother to them. It's really sad because you could tell that's all she wants is to be the mother that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she also has a lot of kids and they're all very different. They are very different. And so it's very hard to mom in the best way for each right. individual one. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta give her that. Gregory and Hyacinth are still pretty young. Yeah. I mean, but well, by that point, they just kind of raise them, raise each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, when Anthony calls for Hyacinth to come down and dance, and you, we, we were talking about it earlier, her face just like lights up. Gregory comes down too, and he has that great moment with Gregory in the study where they talk about his father, he's finally starting to become the man that he's been trying to be. He's finally actually starting to be that man that his father wanted him to be. Yeah. I mean, he manages to get Eloise excited about dancing. We have seen her try and dance multiple times this season and it has never gone well. And she's just letting loose and having fun mm-hmm. for the first time. He's finally kind of actually bringing the family together. Yes, for something happy. For something happy, for something just good. Yeah. All right, now we got to talk about Anthony and Kate. And all I got to say is it's about fucking time. Oh my God. I love... They're so good. I like I like a good slow burn, but this one was a little bit too slow. It was this very was slow. Little... I fully agree. I was just like, when is this going to happen? We're running out of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was very slow. Time. But again, they had so many parallels. They both had their kind of reconcile moment with their mothers who taught, who told them like, no, this is not entirely your fault. I shouldn't have let you take on this much of a burden. Now in Violet's case, she didn't really have much of a choice. He inherited the title. <laughs> they don't really right. have, they don't really have regency for no. like 19 year old boys. <laughs> no. Oh. But on the emotional front, yeah, maybe. Um, and then we get the scene with Benedict. I was wondering you guys Oof. think about this. Like, we what do we think about the fact that Anthony did this donation thing and he didn't tell Benedict about it? It was a it was another good parallel to Kate's actions with the Sheffields, but yeah. even though Benedict was like, I know you were just trying to help be in your own screwed up way, I feel like I wanted more out of the scene with the two of them together. Like, I feel yeah. like I got more emotion from Benedict when he was talking to Eloise about it. Yeah. And like, I needed like one more scene to kind of build up and get something 
at the end of that conversation with Anthony, but he just kind of looks weird and walks away and we don't talk about it again. <laughs> I hope they talk about it next season because that is a big breach of trust especially when Benedict and Antony seem to be very close, like as close to someone as Antony is in the family. I mm -hmm. think it's Benedict. And then he, like, he's busy. He's thinking about Kate. Of course, he said earlier, it's like, all I can think about is Kate. So his kind of flippant remarks here, like, yes, he's very like, yeah, if you want to paint, go paint. But also he kind of just picks Benedict up and sets him aside because it's a barrier to get to Kate at this point. So I'm hoping they get to talk about it a little bit later and just have Benedict be like, you know, that really sucked what you did to me. Mm -hmm. So I see what everyone's saying. I do. And I agree that it sucked. But at the same time, I almost felt like it was Antony like validating what Benedict wanted and just being like, okay, like you want to do art? Like the, I can't do art because I can't. And like, I don't super approve of you doing this, but like, this is kind of my seal of approval of mm -hmm. just like, okay, just like go do it. So like, while I don't think that he went about it in the right way, I think in like his messed up Antony way, this was like the best that he could do. Oh, no, I agree with you well. on that front. I think, yeah, no. And I think, and Benedict recognizes that he knows he meant yeah. well, like it was a little bit messed up, but whatever. Um, the, I don't think the Benedict someone... was that mad about it. I, but that's the thing I wanted like one, I, I wanted like one more scene or just a little bit longer of that conversation at the end to kind of actually flesh that out like is Benedict actually upset about it is he just kind of like gonna roll with it I think it's like, hard because like this entire art thing is kind of fabricated it's not in the books mm -hmm. um so I don't exactly know where they're taking it again in the first season I thought Benedict was gay and I thought that's where they were gonna take it um we did not get that this season where he definitely boned a woman um so I don't really know where they're going and I don't know that it matters yet mm -hmm. which is probably mm -hmm. why they didn't dwell on it I don't think it's gonna matter I think this was like kind of a throwaway thing because mm -hmm. like in the books does Benedict have a distinguishing characteristic because the art seems to be his thing like he's a little avant-garde he's different he's like Eloise a little bit but he's Honestly, a dude so he can do that <laughs> book benedict is pretty boring mm. um colin like has his letters and he like writes books about his travels eventually um but benedict is i don't know he's pretty boring mm. sorry it's just despair yeah he really Which is, is. funny because he's, he's like... my favorite i love gregory too but out of the three boys so far benedict is my favorite <laughs> benedict in the books is like kind of this like bleeding heart romantic and that's like kind of his jam but that's mm -hmm. really all he's got that I remember his book was uneventful yeah but again like even in this in this final scene like not only we're we talking about the the donation we're talking about Antony finally seeing Benedict for who he truly is yes right and 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 what good the goodness he brings out in people and Benedict's obviously a little confused yeah. but they just it just kind of leaves it hanging you know it would have been nice if we had seen some sort of payout for benedict where he like maybe had painted a scene from like antony and kate's wedding day or like a portrait of them mm, so that he some kind like, of follow-up yeah some kind of follow-up where he could have been like here this is what i've been working on and antony could have validated that and been like wow like this is really great mm -hmm. yeah 
That would be nice. we'll get that. Maybe we'll get it next season. I hope Maybe. so. I want the best for Benedict. He's trying his hardest. I want a portrait of Eloise holding all the babies. Oh, (laughs) her face would be like, (laughs) yeah, she would hate everything about that life. (laughs) Okay, next we have Kate and Edwina. I love them so much. They're just so cute together. Edwina starts to care for Kate at the ball, like giving her the advice that she needs. Their dance was very cute even though the guy was really like, great everyone in the ballroom was like what are they doing it's and it's just like the Stop fuck it. are they gonna they, what are they gonna do talk about us right <laughs> like you just suffered a horrific head injury they have to be nice to you <laughs> like, yes yeah, so good she's so smart the biggest thing we got though for edwina in these episodes was asserting her independence which i'm very proud of her she's trying to find her sense of self her sense of purpose away from kate which I think will be helpful for her. And she really steps into her own, just like steps up next to the queen and is like, I think they're cute. And the queen's like, you're goddamn right they are, girl. I love that. I can see them totally just becoming like, I don't know, since it's a nephew, like an aunt-in-law kind of situation. They're definitely going to hang out. Yes, they're going to hang out and cause problems. Maybe she'll show up on the queen spinoff. Ooh, that would be cool. That would be amazing. Please give us more Edwina and the Queen. <laughs> fantastic. And Lady Danbury, of course. They like are training up Edwina to be like that. <laughs> Yay, the prince isn't in control. It's Edwina. <laughs> I did like their scene together where they're where Edwina's by Kate's bedside. And basically it's like, please wake up, begging her to wake up. You're my sister. I love you. It is very much taken from Sense and Sensibility, where Marianne Dashwood, who is the hopeless romantic gets stuck out in the rain and has to be rescued by her prospective man that she likes. And she gets rescued twice from the rain in Sense and Sensibility, once by the asshole that she falls in love with first, and then the next time by the guy that she ends up with. So it's kind of paralleling there. But the biggest part of Sense and Sensibility is the sister-sister relationship. And Eleanor is like sitting at Marianne's bedside, just begging her, like, you can't leave me alone. Like, don't leave me alone here in this horrible world. (laughs) And she wakes up then and I'm like, yay, this is so much (laughs) like Jane Austen, which I'm very much here for. Yeah. I also like, I know, right? I do like, Edwina has kind of stood up for herself multiple times throughout the season Mm -hmm. and just asserted to Kate about what she wants she's like no I am standing up because this is what I want and every single time the definition of what she wants has like slightly shifted it's like no I want to talk to Anthony no I want to marry him no I just want to make up my own goddamn mind mm-hmm. that's right I think she was confused she's very young she is so very this young. is like her coming into her own and being like I do have a choice like I can decide for myself which is unusual for women of the time. Like, I don't think she would be leaving the altar <laughs> in actual Regency era. Like, oh my God, that would be terrible. And then of course, Kate and Mary, their scene together was so, so wonderful. It's been coming for a while. We think it would have been effective, like more effective if we'd had more scenes of them together, like making naked nine episodes so we can like get the payoff from Benedict and Antony. We can get more Mary and Kate, just more Mary in general. Like, can we get a Mary episode? 
where we kind of could have sacrificed one or two intense stairs and gotten a scene between the two these two yes exactly even though they didn't get a lot of time together though it still hits home really well take Mm -hmm. us kate on so much of the burden for her family and mary is like i know that you felt obligated to do this you should not have had to feel that obligation because i'm your mother i am the one who should have taken the reins on this and they just apologize to each other and there's so much love that's between them it's very sweet and like communication who knew (laughs) communication works very well because i'm sure if kate had talked to her mom after the dad had passed away like even a couple months later and just said i need some help help like i need you to kind of help again i think it would have worked possibly mary seems more likely to have had that happen than violet violet i think was just gone violet also had her hands full yes she had a baby like she had a brand new baby and she was just like i gotta check out for a while plus antony was 19 yeah and had been being groomed to be the new head of the household right so Mm -hmm. at least he had some training behind him whereas i'm sure kate was like shit now I got to figure shit out for Edwina and teach her all these languages and dances. Which props to her for coming up with a long-term plan at that point. She was 16, roughly. I, well, actually, I have no idea if that's true. She was 16 when, when Edmund died. Yeah. But and we're not sure when her father died. But she came up with a long-term plan to train up Edwina to, yeah, she did to, a good be, job. This, mm-hmm. to be the diamond, effectively. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about our girl Eloise, our raging feminist. Oh, dear. Cray cray. Okay, so first we need to talk about this fight. Eloise and Penelope. Mm -hmm. This one really comes down to perspective, and so I'm going to ask you guys what you think. Who's right? Who's wrong? Are they both right and wrong? Who wants to go first? I think... You go, Anders. Yeah, (laughs) I I mean, they are... (laughs) If we're taking it down to the like the base level of Eloise being like, you fucking betrayed me, then yeah, Eloise is right, Penelope is wrong. Penelope was thinking very much in the terms of she wasn't thinking what is best for Eloise. She was thinking what is best for Eloise that will also get me out of this. Which yeah. it actually yeah. kind of, to me, it struck me like kind of like a Nick Fury type thing to do. Okay. Like trying to manipulate everyone around you so you still end up getting out of it scot-free and hopefully they don't find mm-hmm. out. I mean, she could have just told the queen. Yeah, she could have straight up come clean to the queen. She could have written something else. Like she, there, she had other options, but mm-hmm. she was, she was, And I don't necessarily blame her for it. She was being selfish in the moment, which, I mean, we've talked about Eloise being selfish plenty this season. So Mm -hmm. Eloise also could have listened to her the multitude of times. Yeah. She was like, this is going to get you fucked. Yeah. Stop. And not the fun way. Not the fun way. This is going Mm -hmm. to get you fucked over. Yep. Stop sneaking off to see this guy to go to these rallies. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you don't like this whole like world that we live in, but guess what? You still fucking live there. Right. Yeah. 
I think for me, like, they both lied to each other. Anybody who knows me knows I hate lying. Um, And so I'm very, like, irked at both of them. It's like, Eloise, you should have just told Penelope where you were going and why. Mm -hmm. And also, Penelope, you should have just told Eloise that you were Lady Whistledown. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just tell her and be like, hey, girl, guess what I'm doing? Want to help? Like, they could have been in cahoots together. Like, Eloise would have been super into that. Yeah. So I understand why Eloise feels betrayed. At the end of the day, though, like, I think Penelope did the right thing after all the terrible things that they both did. I think she got her out of some deep shit with the queen. I don't know mm. why Eloise was just going to like fall on her sword. Yeah, that's weird. It just like didn't like, make she any sense. Couldn't think of anything else, I guess. She should have been like, yo, no, I'm actually fucking this random guy. Like she could have said like any version of the truth and gone out of it. Because right. she's not Lady Whistledown. No. So. Exactly. And that's like. It, it's so tough because they're both right in a way and they're both very wrong totally. in a way, which is how the best like written arguments are. Sure. It's never fun if you know that someone is right, like all the way right. It's never yeah. interesting. It's much more interesting to have them at odds and actually like really still caring about each other. Like the way that they're so pissed shows just how much they do care about each other. And Eloise takes Penn for granted a lot. Oh, like we've, we've, talked, we've talked about it this season. And I can see why Penn, she should have told Eloise who she, that she was being Lady Whistledown, but Penn also wanted something of her own. And she wanted to be something aside from Eloise's friend. Yeah. Aside from Eloise's Definitely. sidekick. 100%. And she's, she's making money. Like Penn is not, she's like, I'm not going to be poor. That was something I was amazed. They like kind of hinted a couple of times throughout the season that they were going to do something with it where like Portia is like, oh my gosh, we have like no money. We're about to sell all this stuff. And Mm Penn's just like looking down at her floorboards being like, I got got some. I I got the monies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was surprised. I I thought they were going to do something with that. I mean, I think ultimately, yeah, I think ultimately I, the thing that they were both most wrong about, and I'm, again, I can't blame them for it. I mean, we've we've probably all done this. Flo, you said you can never go back to the way things were. And nope. they both wanted to be able to go backwards. And mm-hmm. people change, friendships change, relationships right. change, and sometimes there just is no going back. That's right. Definitely not yeah. from this argument. That's going to be even big before next this. Season. They were just oh, both yeah. they on were diverging both, paths. Yeah, because Penn does want to be a part of this society. Like she'll make fun of it and she'll be a wallflower, but she wants to be a part of it somehow. And Eloise just does not at all. So they were definitely going to just kind of break away from each other a little bit it'll be really interesting to see when Colin and Penn start courting what Eloise does yeah let's be real Um, Colin and Penn are not actually going to court they're going to find themselves in some kind of a whirlwind thing that gets them engaged over fucking night you never know 
I was gonna say, I don't know. I have not read the book. <laughs> I haven't either, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine that he well, actually like does the you slow. Just drag court. it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, let's talk about the other pairing just really briefly because we touched on this quite a bit earlier. But Eloise and Benedict have a really nice relationship in this episode. They get a really nice moment. They're clearly like the two black sheep of the Bridgerton family. Her because of her like feminist views, her like lack of wanting to get married, him because he's super artistic, potentially bisexual. We're not really sure what's going on there. Um, and good for you either way. You you get it, Benedict. Um, so yeah, so it's just nice that they found each other, that they kind of have their like little click. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're little like two musketeers on the swings Very situation. Sweet. They're so cute. And next. I have to give this one to Anders. He calls Lady Featherington a boss, and he is correct. (laughs) She is so good in this season. I love her so much. She's making the serious moves here. Her final play can definitely be considered maybe a little villainous. Anders wants me to say that she's an (laughs) anti-villain. Which, yes, I I see her as completely being an anti-villain. She's smart enough to know that she can outplay Jack and play on everyone's preconceived notions of her and women in general, which is so smart. Like Penn is very much like her mother. She would probably hate to hear that, but they're both very shrewd. They both make snap decisions sometimes that are not the best decisions, but they're usually able to like scramble out of them using their brains. Cause her sisters, let's face it, they just are not (laughs) very bright. I don't think they're just kind of, there and bitchy but Penn definitely has Portia's acumen for getting out of shit so I think we'll see that next season a lot with Penn's continued leading whistle down I do like to see Portia acting like a mom like her face when he said they were gonna leave without her daughter she was like "Mm -mm, this is where I draw the line this is where I say no and I don't think she'll ever be like a great mom but she is trying her best to like make sure that they end up happy and are supported. And she's like, yeah, I signed a document that says my daughter's son gets the title because mm-hmm. it will protect them. And that's all that she really wants is to protect them. She does also notice that Colin and Penn are looking pretty chummy in that one scene. Like Lady Featherington is watching just like Penn does. Like always watching from the sidelines, like, I wonder what's happening there. And that might've been kind of her hesitance to dupe him at first as well. Be like, well, she might have a connection with the Bridgertons through Colin. So we're going to see about that. But then when they were potentially ruined, she's like, well, Penn can't go with Colin anymore. So we can move ahead with the plan. Yeah. I don't know if she's quite perceived it that well, but she definitely notices that Penelope and Colin are tight. Oh, definitely. And it finally hit me on this last rewatch um, <laughs> what she's reminding me of in a lot of her scenes and the way she, in her dynamic kind of with her daughters. Because she's very much like the, oh my God, just shut up and da 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 with her thing. I love how she does her head thing. Like, So I don't know if you guys have seen the series Rome. It was on HBO a long time ago. No. Uh, currently on HBO Max. So Polly Walker, who plays Lady Featherington, plays Julius Caesar's sister, I think it was. Oh no, poor thing. And there's, <laughs> and there's a scene, well, there's a scene, it's, there's like some kind of like a, 
a peasant's revolt or something going on and they're in like the estate house caesar's not there but like banging on the doors like they're about to bust in and like fuck everything up and the people inside the house are like arguing over who's going to help the others like basically commit suicide so they don't get like mauled by the mob and they're like the the kids like teenagers ish are kind of doing like the well no because if you kill me then who's going to help kill you or if i have to kill you then who's going to be left to kill me and then and she does in the perfect like lady featherington affect like oh my god will you all just stop no here's what's gonna happen you're gonna kill him they're gonna kill you <laughs> it's just like she's talking to like prudence and philippa <laughs> but about a much more serious topic yes i do i love Holly walker i think she's just killing it in this yeah. role <laughs> and she's doing so well i hope that we get more of her and pen next season we need to see how their relationship really is without the other two sisters around. Mm-hmm. Without those morons. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Prudence isn't engaged anymore. So. Oh, Prudence, we need to find you a man also. Mm. All right. So next, we're going to head into our things to listen for for the Bridgerton soundtrack. First, we have How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees by Chris Houston. I heard this and I was like, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> when Kate and Anthony are at the gazebo, I was like, I don't know, Anthony, how deep is your love? <laughs> deep inside Kate is where it is. Uh, finally, they have sex and it's to the Bee Gees. <laughs> like, who's in charge of this choice? <laughs> because, my God, it was just, when I looked it up and listened to it, I'm like, interesting bold bold choice (laughs) there i suppose it worked well in the scene like it was a nice arrangement yes it did sound very good i just was very confused (laughs) when i looked it up like mm. (laughs) it's good it is a very good choice once you kind of like listen to it again you're like okay this does make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. the next one i adore I love this, is good. this arrangement of Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, but it's done by the Midnight String Quartet here. And this is Kate and Anthony's dance at the Featherington Ball. It was so perfect, so wonderfully just played and paced while they were dancing. Yeah. And just once more staring longingly <laughs> into each other's eyes. <laughs> over their hands as they yes the hands coming down by their eyes was so good Mm -hmm. and this was partially a waltz and partially something else I couldn't quite distinguish what it was but once they went into hold I was like oh they're doing some form of a waltz yeah mixed with another Regency dance and it just was so beautiful it was the original was great how good they're of dancers they are like are they actually good They were pretty stiff there for a little while. Yes. But I was like, okay, maybe it's because she's still like, he's worried about her head injury and they're just kind of like not super comfortable yet. But then they just like get in with Miley and are like, yes, we're feeling wrecking ball. We're going to dance to it. And I wonder when they practice and film, like, do they actually have the band playing the actual music? Because that would help a 
time. Uh, I'm guessing that they, I mean, if it's anything like filming, I mean, I feel like usually with a scene like that, you might have something playing in a background, but obviously the, the audio is, is put in after the facts right. for the actual production thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just like when if you're, if you're filming some kind of a musical, usually you're, you're lip syncing on set. Yeah. But I'm assuming that they have the music playing while you're doing that. <laughs> I would hope so, because otherwise I'd be so lost. And yeah. while you're dancing, you kind of have to have that going. Yeah, but it also depends, I guess, on how they shot it. Because if That's you're, true. if it's just like, all right, this, we're literally just going in for the close up here, then they don't really have to actually be dancing. Mm-hmm. Or if That's they true. filmed it, if they had a bunch of cameras and they just kind of let them do the whole dance. Right. Like, were they swinging, panning around different yeah. shots? That's I don't know. so cool. I love that yes. scene. Wrecking Ball is an underrated song, I think. I think it gets a lot, it gets made fun of a lot, mostly because of the music video. <laughs> Let's be fair. But, but it it's, is a, a very, it's a, it's it's a good song. Yeah. It's very powerful. And I think for this point, it's like both of them feel like they're a Wrecking Ball, kind of ruining, ruining their family's <laughs> lives. So it fits them both, it's which okay. is really cool. Stare at me intently. Nothing else matters. Oh All they did, seriously, was stare <laughs> at each other. Even by the finale, they were still doing that. I'm like, come on, you guys. <laughs> no, just please just kiss and get married and do all the other fun stuff. Finally, they did. Yes. All right, moving on to best fit. So this is where we appreciate the costumes here. I'm going to give a shout out to Edwina's promenade outfit when they're like out there a little bit. She's still got her like softer pink purple dress on, but the cover she's wearing over it is a much deeper, bolder pink, mm-hmm. much more akin to the stuff that we saw Kate wearing earlier in the season, showing us that she's kind of taken on some of that harder exterior to mm-hmm. guard her heart against what happened to her. Yes. Uh, and another uh, really dark suit here. We got Will at the Gentleman's Club. I don't think he we've given him so enough due. He's got those like dark purple and blue on the, the promenade and at the club. Guy's got some style and he, he seems to really take a lot of his color palette from the Duke's look last season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. He's much softer. I did notice Anthony was wearing a coat when he comes to see Kate to propose. His coat is a color i think it's like really dark purple yes coats are colors well no like a color except (laughs) black (laughs) he's always wearing like black and he's looking very somber yeah he's uh, he's had a couple of really nice like dark blues and purples Mm -hmm. this one i was like oh he's trying (laughs) he's trying he's trying to look different (laughs) uh next i want to give a shout out to the queen's hair so at the start of the finale, she's talking with Lady Danbury. She doesn't have the big elaborate French inspired wig on. I mean, I'm assuming this is still a wig, but she's got an Afro going. And it was great. It looked really, it looked really good. It was still kind of like updone, um, had like some curl, like some extra curls or something going on mm-hmm. as like a pattern in the front. But I did think it was a really nice choice to do that. It oddly made her seem like a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more relaxed. Yes. Than having the big white wig. Because everywhere else, she looks so done up and so perfect. Mm -hmm. Like she can't have anything out of place. And then here when she gets to just kind of hang with Lady Danbury, she's a little bit more like, yeah, I can just hang. Yeah, this is her version of letting her hair down. (laughs) 
Not at all, but that's fine. <laughs> Next up, all right, we have not been giving Lady Featherington the due she probably deserves with her fits throughout the season, mm-hmm. but in the in this finale, she brings it from that promenade dress to uh, to her robes to her Featherington ball gown, that whole like pink green uh it's a little understated for her i would actually say mm-hmm. but when you combine it with the uh the matching headpiece and the flowers and everything going on up top it's absolute perfection she looks fucking amazing she looks really good i love that she has a fitted bodice like she does not do the ampere waist i love it she's like i'm not a little ingenue i've got a body and i am going to show it mm-hmm fuck all your fashion <laughs> and I'm sure Madame Delacroix is like all right <laughs> we'll do whatever you want as long as you pay for your dresses I just have to say that Kate's under things are gorgeous <laughs> they are they they're were, especially like, gorgeous when they're being ripped off ripping off the clothes and I was like <laughs> she looks so pretty she's got like these like satiny silk under things and the shorts was like oh looks so pretty Kate <laughs> and then yes promptly they were removed very 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 quickly <laughs> Anthony's like yes under things mm-hmm. can we get past the under things? let me go right in in between <laughs> was, yeah Anthony was very ready he was like we just yeah no we're not doing this anymore <laughs> until they did it yeah until they pulled back yet again. you think they only did it once mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an excellent question. I don't, if, An- if Anthony passed out hard enough that she left and he didn't notice, like you would think <laughs> they did it a couple more. This was going for a once. while. Yeah. They like wore each other out. Like, and it took the rain to wake him up. <laughs> yeah. Very hard rain. I was like, oh, Anthony, your boo is gone. She has like lost it a little bit and is having a very like bad horse race with herself just not good because she made that jump before so i'm mm-hmm. like the horse probably felt that she was in distress and not in control and when the horse knows you're not in control guess what it's gonna throw you not not a good idea especially if you're used to riding a spirited horse who would take that jump i'm sorry kate but you lost control there for a little bit even though you still looked really good <laughs> in your riding <laughs> outfit that was so flat. <laughs> also got to shout out our Sharma girls for the Featherington ball. Their gowns were great. Edwina's was a much brighter pink and also a little tighter in the bodice. So her boobs were like popping. I was mm-hmm. like, girl, I'm like Violet Bridgerton from last season. Like just letting the ladies show. They needed some air, just letting them out. And then Kate's orangey dress was very pretty. I really liked it kind of echoing the Indian ceremony that they did mm-hmm. like in the mid season. And I liked that it showed that she's changing. Like this is very different from any of her other gowns. So she's like vibrant and alive and kind of coming into her own a little bit. But I do prefer her in purples and blues, I must say. Definitely. Like it still looked fantastic on her because nothing can look bad on her. But I prefer like the blues and the purples and her robes and stuff are always just so pretty. Especially like when she's got like the disheveled fashion. hair and the night and the nightgown. Absolutely yes. looking fantastic. Yes. So you just mentioned her. Uh, you know who we who never got a uh, a best fit mentioned this season? Uh-oh. And I'm not I'm not upset about it, honestly, but is Violet. 
she's just she was boring <laughs> violet is usually fairly plain like she lets the or tries to let the girls stand out a little bit more but then the girls are also very plain. like pastels and whites blues and i mean they're supposed to be very different from the featheringtons that's the point of having them be like the pristine bridgertons and the featheringtons be like loud and obnoxious and like their citrusy colors but yeah it gets just repetitive mm -hmm. and boring a little bit i did like her ball gown and she always looks beautiful her yeah, jewelry she never i looks think bad is better like she has really good earrings i think <laughs> she always gets the very good jewelry but yeah she just doesn't she doesn't stand out she doesn't pop especially with the sharmas there like and lady danbury Mm -hmm. too hard to do that yes. all right now, now yeah. some things that we wanted to discuss so i really noticed this this time the rotating orchestra platform <laughs> at the featherington ball this is the absolute height of opulence and excess it actually it took me straight back to ancient rome near emperor nero who is my favorite Roman emperor, not because he was a good person, he was a terrible fucking person, but every time I like research him, I find out something new that makes me laugh. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Dude was dude was fucking nuts. He um, was. He was crazy. Yeah. He arranged to have his mother's boat sink and her room collapse on top of her, and she still survived. <laughs> oh, she's a Featherington. Well, eventually he just like well. eventually he just made up charges against her for adultery, and since no one in the Senate really liked her, they were like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." <laughs> wow! And he said the Imperial Guards to kill her. <laughs> to which she said, "You know, stab me in the womb because that's where Nero came from." Um, yeah. <laughs> See, every fucking time you learn something new. Ooh, anyway, harsh. back to the rotating platform. <laughs> uh, Emperor Nero had this huge pleasure palace it is rumored supposedly that he um he caused the great fire of rome partially to clear the way for this thing to be built <laughs> and it had a rotating dining room it was uh and the domus aria the golden dome a rotating like ceiling which like, even even at the Featheringtons, like having anything rotating like that is the absolute height of excess because that is an engineering feat in times when electricity is not a thing yet, people. No. The mechanics of making this work were probably very complicated mm -hmm. if you were to do something like that in the time. I highly doubt that they had actual rotating orchestra platforms Kinda. in private homes during the Regency era. It's like but some still. very small boy like peddling yeah. a bike so underneath it. Nice. Oh, child labor laws, everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was oh a really God. nice way to show off like how well the Featheringtons are doing. Mm -hmm. One thing Not I didn't so really bad. talk about is, is Portia's plan for how she's keeping most of the money. The Collins, like you have to return all the money. Right. And she's basically like framed Jack for it. So if Jack disappears, she can keep the money and just be like, oh no, it was always, that's my money. That was always there. Right. Because nobody really knows about their financial straits, really. Yeah. The only one who might have an idea would be Madame Delacroix. Because <laughs> they're like getting cotton instead of silk mm -hmm. for certain gowns. And it's like, but she won't say anything. 
so long as I keep spending money there. Yeah. She's like, oh. All right, next question. Do we hope Cressida Cowper finds someone? Oh my God, Cressida. Mm, No. (laughs) The answer is no. I mean, maybe if next season she shows up and is like repentant about things and it's like, I've been a big old bitch, but I don't think she's going to do that. So no, I hope she does not. Although she hopes she becomes a spinster at age 23. I mean, she's rich, so she will eventually find a husband, but I don't think it'll be a match that she wants. I think it'll just be like a match. I hope she marries like an old geezer. She probably will and just wait for him to die and then take all this money. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. All right. Next one. I, this this question I had, the I definitely had this the first time I watched it. The second time I really noticed, I think what you're going to talk about, Colleen, like how did, how did Eloise know where to find Penelope's stash? Under the carpet, under the floorboards. She how did, did she not? <laughs> I I think the first time I watched it too, I'm like, damn, she really found that fast. But then the yeah. second time I'm like, oh, she tore through some shit. Like Penelope's bed is unmade and torn apart. Her closet is just a shamble. So Eloise looked in a bunch of places. I'm guessing she like knocked over the chair maybe and pulled up the carpet accidentally and then saw something. Cause I don't think that's something you would normally do. Yeah, I I can't imagine why, especially if Penelope hasn't been writing for a little bit, Right. then it's not like you would see like the wear like the chair's not in like the perfect position to to tear up the carpet. Right. right. Wait, so you guys don't think that Eloise knew about that hidden spot? No, I didn't. No. I didn't think that. I kind of saw this, like, maybe it's because I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls, but this felt mm. very like how Lane hides things under her floorboards and Rory like definitely knows about it. I just figured like, I mean, they've known each other for a long time. Like, I bet she's hidden like lots of shit in her floorboards and that Eloise might've known about it. I don't think there's any way she could have found those accidentally. Right. Like, but then why did she tear shit up? Maybe she was looking for more or like, mm. I don't know, but, or maybe it she was just pissed. You would think like, that you. a friend would maybe know about your secret yeah. stash. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do they go to each other's houses a lot? That's the one thing where it's like, they don't have well, they, In the books they do. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense in the books if they're at each other's houses a lot. Well, in the books, Penelope like is at the Bridgerton house like every day. Oh, yeah, poor thing. It's very sweet. Oh, she needs a family. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving in, guys, this is our last episode for Bridgerton season two. So time for some season wrap up questions. And first one, what do you guys have thoughts on the season as a whole or compared to season one? I liked it less. Um, I thought it was a little bit slow. I think also just like season one, we had so much hype and it was like brand new and it was just like, oh my God, can you imagine mm-hmm. spoon licking? This one, I just, I think they changed it from the books a little bit too much for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just a little bit too much of a slow burn. Um, it felt like a little bit frustrating at times mm-hmm. in a way that season one did not as much, but I loved it. I was captivated. I watched a lot of it eating cake in bed. So two thumbs way up. <laughs> I I think I liked it a little bit more, but I think that's because I liked the Sharmas so much. Because mm-hmm. da- I like Daphne's fine. I like Daphne. 
but I was much more invested in like what the Duke was doing. <laughs> and Eloise and Penn, I was much more captivated by them in season one than I was with Daphne. So at, at least for this one, I was interested in the love interest part, which helped, but then it went really fucking slow. Yeah. I was like, are they going to hold hands at least once? Like once, maybe? That'd be great. Now we're going to skip straight from the stairs to the bone Yeah. They be fast. Yeah. I think yeah. it's true that Kate would take a while to kind of warm up to Antony enough where they would have sex. But it doesn't I mean, necessarily again, have the book, to be that way. titty sucking. Everybody's yes. forgetting about the titty sucking right now. Right. We didn't have we that. We also haven't actually brought up the fact that the sex was premarital. Amen. On Kate's part. We know Mm -hmm. that Anthony's had plenty, but yeah. Yeah, this is Kate's like letting it all go. She's a liberated woman. Governess. She absolutely is. I think she's just done at this point. She's like, whatever, I'm going back to fucking India. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, who's gonna know? Who's gonna know? (laughs) Yeah, I think I like this season maybe just like a little, little bit more than season one. I they're both so different in the way that they're set up that way mm-hmm. and I think it might just be that I like Kate a hell of a lot more than I like Daphne that's fair but at the same time I like the Duke a lot more than I like Anthony so maybe we just get a new series where we have the Duke and Kate get together and realize that they don't need the Bridgerton so we can just get rid of the Bridgerton family and focus on the cool people <laughs> we're gonna call your show the anti-Bridgertons the Featheringtons <laughs> The they, yeah, they can still cut co- the Featherington's can still come. That's fine. I think they're funny. I love a good like antagonist who's kind of inept at being an antagonist. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> All right, y'all. We've been talking about the costumes this whole time. What's your best fit of the season? I think I it would come to no one's surprise that I am giving it to Kate in the riding cloak. <laughs> that is absolutely the best, especially because it's always like early morning so you get the fog kind of going in it just Mm -hmm. looks fucking perfect very moody i mean i think that's the obvious answer right well yeah but i already took it so you can hunting (laughs) hunting outfit with the hat well then i'm gonna go with best fit of the season is antony wearing nothing in the bath (laughs) that is a good fit or him coming out of the pond the tub is a great shirt. shirt The tub is a really great fit for anybody. Anybody on the show is a really great fit. Um, hmm. I think Tessa was wearing the hell out of that drapery that she had. When was Tessa ever wearing clothes? When Benedict was painting her and she had like that very artfully draped blanket around her. That was great. Um, I'm trying to think because I obviously Kate is the best dressed of the season. Even if she didn't try to be, I think she always was. But Lady Danbury always slays. She just yeah. always looks great. Anytime that she has to go somewhere and be not the center of attention, but suddenly becomes the center of attention, she always looks great. Lady Mary in her velvets was very beautiful, very soft and different from a lot of the other people. She wasn't like quite as opulent looking, even though mm-hmm. it was very layered and textured. I think she always looked very nice. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with, I think Kate's riding outfit though with the hat. 
Oh, the hunting outfit? The hunting outfit, yeah. Fantastic. I'm here for that, too. Mm-hmm. And the boys it also, just to- it also just totally fits. It's like, oh, uh, no, ladies don't hunt. Well, I have an outfit specifically designed for it. Exactly. <laughs> Be like, Lady Mary in Downton Abbey goes on the hunt. So we know that eventually women will be allowed to go on hunts. <laughs> yes. All right. Favorite music track from the season? easily dancing on my own the robin track i love that song i heard it and went absolutely nuts (laughs) and that was their first dance they're very like pride and prejudice darcy elizabeth dance so that was my favorite track i think i'm gonna go with wrecking ball which i know is in this one Mm -hmm. but it felt like maybe the most like earwormy of them all because we heard it on the radio so much when it came out and so I was just like oh okay like this version slaps let's go yeah Uh, I think I would have said dancing on my own but Colleen has already taken it I just think that one also just really fit really well with that scene there's like some bass under it that builds a little bit of tension Mm -hmm. alongside the rest of the dance (sighs) My second choice probably would have been Wrecking Ball, too. Um, well, we've got very good taste over here. So. Yeah, I know. They were very good. Uh, so I think gonna, yeah, I think I got to give it then to... I'm going to go with Material Girl. Mm. It was just a very fun kind of poppy way to to open the season. Mm-hmm. And to open that first ball. It just very catchy, very recognizable. Mm-hmm. I like that our songs kind of like run the gambit of emotions too because like Material Girl (laughs) is very just like poppy and happy and just like yeah I'm gonna get after my diamonds y'all and then Mm -hmm. Dancing on My Own is like that sadness of not being able to be with the one you love there was someone else and then Wrecking Ball is just like bam we're hitting you with all the emotion (laughs) all at once yes love it all right favorite single moment from the season um probably them having sex in the gazebo everyone (laughs) comes to no shock to anybody (laughs) i loved that scene as well um i'm going to say who best moment of the season Hmm. this one is very very tough it is. I because there were there for how like slow burning it was. I think a lot of uh, Anthony and Kate's moments together were just fire. Yeah, like every single moment from the moment that they met each other on horseback to the very last second when they're fighting over the Paul Mal mallet. Fantastic. I do love them in the mud. I think that probably is the most fun. Mm-hmm. And just like oh, they're gonna bone someday. Like we just know from their energy there that they're a really good match. So I'm going to go with the Palm Alt mud incident is my best moment. All right. I'm actually not going to give it to Anthony and Kate. I think that all of their moments are fantastic, but I got to say the one that I just keep thinking about that just makes me crack up over and over again is going back way to the start of the season and Lady Featherington is talking to her future in-laws, her, her daughter's future in-laws about the dowry. And they talk about how things are kind of unsettled. And she just is like, yes, unsettled. That's the word. <laughs> and does that whole thing. 
playing up so like her grief and everything and it just sets her up perfectly for how high the comedy is going to be from her this season mm-hmm. and how she's still willing to kind of scheme and do everything and I just think it was an absolutely perfect single moment <laughs> she's amazing she's great so so good the older older actors on the show are very good like Lady Danbury and Portia Featherington just fantastic and the queen Mm -hmm. amazing amazing and lastly in honor of that wrecking ball dance from other tv or movies what is y'all's favorite dance like nobody's watching even though everyone's totally watching scene from a movie or tv i gotta say this time this one's not my favorite. I'll, I'll give my favorite one in the minute, in a moment, but I forgot to mention this earlier. This actually reminded me a lot of, I finally watched the original uh, West Side Story. Mm. And this is very much how the uh, Maria and, um, Tony. And, and Tony, I was, I was, I was going to say Anthony. I'm Anthony. Like, it's not Anthony, it's Tony. <laughs> Anton. <laughs> it, in their kind of initial meet cute from that original uh, movie where like everyone else kind of gets blacked out and you just see the two of them come together in the middle mm-hmm. that's an excellent scene uh, I definitely thought of Pride Prejudice <laughs> of course <laughs> of course you did <laughs> the, the 20 2005 version when they're dancing and they're in the same room with everyone and their tension is just crazy but one of my favorites is Dirty Dancing mm. Like every single dance that Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze do together is just sizzling. It's ridiculous how good it is, especially their <laughs> ending dance to I've had the time I'm like, yes. Perfect. Absolutely perfection. Okay. This was really hard because I love dance movies. So um I'm gonna go with a non-dance movie. Okay. But I'm going to go with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, the uh, like, I don't even know what, it's like the I'm kissing you love song or whatever, Mm -hmm. where like they're going, it's not even dancing, but they're like looking at each other through the fish tank and like, it's like, that's all it is. And like, flirty dance. Oh my God, it's so good. And they're constantly moving through the room. Oh my God. So that's what I'm going with. You kind of like forget that there's a party going on, that there's anybody else. It's just the two of them like staring at each other. Mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann is good at that shit. He's very good at that. Baz Luhrmann Rouge. the boss. Moulin Rouge has so many moments like that. Oh yeah. I mean, take the entire elephant love medley. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, it's wonderful. Strictly Ballroom also. A dance Ever movie. Seen but- it. <laughs> You've never seen Moulin Rouge? I've never seen Moulin Rouge. Okay. This BGS Moulin Rouge coming up next. It's a one off. Lerman. We could do a BGS Baz Lerman. Ooh, I would be down. I love Boss <laughs> Interesting. Mm. We'd have to watch Gatsby again, but it's still pretty good. Hey, Gatsby mm-hmm. was fun. It is fun and yeah. really well cast. Gatsby is just a really terrible story. I can't stand that book. Well, I don't like the story, <laughs> but the costuming yeah. was yeah, lush. The, the production last... is amazing. <laughs> All right, so the last dance scene I'm going to bring up, and it's it's a very short, like actual dance because it kind of like ends things, and you just kind of get the pan out. But when Anthony, when Anthony was like, look at me, nothing else matters, it actually brought me back to uh, the movie Drive Me Crazy with Adrian Grenier and Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen it. 
I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you've never seen. Actually, I'm a little surprised that you haven't seen Drive Me Crazy, but I'm not surprised if people haven't seen Drive Me Crazy. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of the whole like um, the can't buy me love. You know, they're trying to make their exes jealous by like building yeah. each other up. Um, used to be friends or whatever. And so they're at the final, the final school dance and you know they fought they're kind of getting back together now and he asked her to dance and she's like oh so who are we making jealous and he just says everyone <laughs> hello okay Ooh. i will be renting that thank you <laughs> that one is very cute i like okay. the one center stage also it's so bad NC center stage so <laughs> i mean yeah. what about save the last dance so save many good dance. moments from that Mm-hmm. she saw that the funk soul brother dance at the prom come well, on yeah but that one did that one didn't qualify for this one though because that BGS wasn't like a dance, dance movie <laughs> i think bgs dance i love i love dance movies also the trashier the better <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that's where we're gonna leave it for today thank you for being with us and come back next time for more shenanigans with the bgs ton as you can hear, we're still deciding the next topic for a detailed dorky dive. Feel free to email us if you've got ideas, bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. But in the meantime, check us out on the yet another Star Wars podcast feed for coverage of the new Star Wars show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We cannot wait, yes. especially me. I get to see Hayden Christensen again. <laughs> hopefully he's not a charred piece of bacon the whole time. I mean, hopefully. So we will all be over there. So go listen, yet another Star Wars podcast. You can also find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Either way, smash that follow button, leave us those five-star reviews. You can also check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes, enjoy Colleen's book corner where she is reviewing Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us. It really does help. Until next time, keep those quills writing and keep those episodes streaming. Bye guys. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.